0: Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. And I hope that you, we've been really putting an emphasis to bring your Bible. So if you don't have a Bible, and you're wondering, what would be a good Bible to purchase? If you were to purchase a Bible, uh, throw me an email. There's a couple of uh, study Bibles that I could highly recommend. And so just throw me an email, throw the church an email, and, and I'll get back with you. But um, encourage you to bring your Bibles. I know you have devices. Devices will find it. But I'm going to encourage Bible bringing. And that way we can mark it up. And then when you have your private time with the Lord you're able to go back and review some of those things that usually are easier to do than often on a tablet or a phone. So Luke chapter 17, if you have it, I want to talk. This is Thanksgiving weekend, and I, I really wanted to step aside from our series, The Crown, to just give some special emphasis. I think we really need it in our day. Our Thanksgiving here in Canada is an annual feast that is held every second Monday of the month of October, every year. And unlike our American neighbors, their Thanksgiving, of course, is the end of next month. Their Thanksgiving focuses around the pilgrims that went to the United States. But that's not what our focus in Canada. Our focus is on the harvest. Thanksgiving in Canada has traditionally been a giving of thanks to God for the harvest that has been bountiful to help us through the winter. That is the custom. That is our Canadian Thanksgiving. Actually, our Canadian Thanksgiving dates back to ancient European festivals that celebrated, again, the bountiful harvest in Europe that as they came into their winter, they thank God he has provided for another year. A great thing to give thanks for, isn't it? I found it interesting. Newfoundland. It was first held in Newfoundland in our nation in 1578. Wow. That was the earliest pioneer's safe arrival to the new world, 1578. And in case you're doing the math, that is a full 43 years before the English colonists arrived in Plymouth, Massachusetts to celebrate south of the border. So it was happening here. Interesting. During the American Revolution, many American loyalists to England or Europe uh, came north, came into Canada, and brought a lot of the customs and practices that the Americans were practicing at that time in Thanksgiving. Over the years, many dates have been bounced around in Canada. Of what Thanksgiving, it was one date, and then another date, and another date. And it wasn't until 1957 that our parliament proclaimed the second Monday of October to be our national Thanksgiving day. And thus, it was a time, and it remains a time, to give thanks to God for food, friends, and family. There, there you go. A summarization of Thanksgiving of Canada. So, I wanted to talk this morning, a message around giving thanks, because... Uh, sometimes thanks can be, giving thanks can be a platitude. Uh, you know what I mean by that? That you do it because you feel you have to do it, but you don't really mean it. And there's something about a heart of gratitude that really does define a people, a nation, a people who are thankful, full of Thanks. I wanted to talk about a story, and it's found in Luke chapter 17. If you have it, we're going to read it. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice, threw himself at Jesus' feet, here it is, and thanked him. Everybody say those three words together. And, note that, there's the focus. He was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Verse 19, then Jesus said to him, Rise, go, your faith has made you well. So Father, we open our hearts to you this morning and we ask that God help us to understand why this story is important for the record today that, God, you have seen fit, that we would understand something about this one leper that returned thanks, that moved the heart of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the title of my message this morning is, Where are the Nine? Where are the Nine? Let me go through this story very succinctly. It's a familiar story, I'm sure, to many of you. I want to start by... When it comes to giving thanks, uh, we often don't realize, and I know this is true for me, often don't realize just how blessed I really am. We, hopefully we can do it better than once a year to realize we should be doing it every day, how really blessed we are. We're blessed. And we ought to be thankful. A heart of thanksgiving. And you know, you really don't know how blessed you are until it's taken away. Isn't that true? Have you ever discovered that? It's funny how when I feel sick, I really pray hard for God to make me well. And then when I'm well, I forget about it. I take for granted every day I'm getting up and I'm well. We all know there's people who every day suffer pain in their bodies. They never have a day where they are free from suffering. But we forget about it. You know, there's nothing like going through something to realize you had something before that you should have been giving thanks for. It's good and it's fitting that we as followers of Jesus celebrate thanksgiving to God. He's good, he's been good, and he's a good God. We can anticipate that in the days ahead. Someone once said that gratitude is the source of all other Christian virtues. Think about that. Gratitude is the source. It feeds every other Christian virtue. If that's the case, then perhaps we need to reason that ingratitude may well be the source of many of our faults. Our ingratitude is a part of the ongoing problem we have because we're not thankful. So in the story here, Jesus encountered 10 lepers. And these... 10 lepers, all of them, had a life-changing experience with Jesus that day. Yet out of the 10 that had a life-changing experience with Jesus, 9 did not see fit to come back and to demonstrate a, a thanksgiving heart, to say thank you. If you were to infer the truth of this story onto general humanity, perhaps we could say the vast majority of people struggle In stopping to give, do thanks. If this were demographically accurate, then we could say the majority struggle in the area of being thankful. Maybe here today, struggle in the area of true thanksgiving. I have heard several suggestions, maybe why the nine didn't come back. I'm going to tell you some of the suggestions because we hear these kind of thoughts all the time. So why didn't the nine return to give thanks? Well, perhaps the first leper, he waited to see if his cure was really real. Perhaps the second leper waited to see if the healing would really last. Maybe the third leper said, well, I'll see Jesus later. Perhaps the fourth leper decided he never really had leprosy in the first place. Maybe the fifth leper said, I would have gotten well anyway. Maybe the sixth leper said, well, I gave glory to the priests. Maybe the seventh leper would say something like, oh, well, Jesus really didn't do anything there. The eighth leper, maybe, well, any rabbi could have done that. Perhaps the ninth leper would have said, well, I was already feeling much improved. Well, we don't know, but we hear those kinds of things all the time. When God has intervened, we come up with another reason why we don't have to give him glory and honor. But the tenth leper. The tenth leper of our story returned and gave thanks. And I want to share this morning a few truths that I'm pulling out of this passage. I want to share with you that you can reflect and may it stir your heart to be a heart filled with gratitude for what God is doing for us. Let me start it off. I want you to, first of all, notice the leper's condition. I don't know if I've ever met a person who has leprosy. I was racking my brain. If I have, I haven't known it. Leprosy has long been conquered. There are still people with leprosy, and there are still areas and regions where uh, they it, it's more prevalent than others. It's still a very contagious disease, but... But we have cures, we have medicine, we have science that has caught up to this. And So leprosy around the world, you don't hear about it. You just really don't hear about it, except for far-reached areas of our our population. Um, But leprosy was a horrible, horrible, horrible. It was the dreaded disease. Just like the big C today, cancer, is the dreaded disease here, so was leprosy of this century. It was a dreaded disease. A little bit about leprosy. The horrors of leprosy is, first of all, leprosy is very painful. It's the rotting of flesh. I can only imagine how painful that could be. It's very painful. But even more, even maybe more painful was the stigma behind leprosy. The Mosaic law pronounced the leper as unclean. So The leper had the stigma of the loss of identity of who they were, but they were unclean. I I wouldn't want that on me. Well, there's an unclean person. No one wants unclean attached to your label. Not only were they unclean, but they had to announce they were unclean. So a leper, multiple times a day, if they came within any vicinity of someone who was well, they had to yell, unclean, unclean, so that you had time to get out of there. Right, That was a law. If you didn't do it, then you were penalized. So a leper not only was unclean, but they had to yell out, unclean, unclean. And then they wore the clothes that represented uncleanliness. They would have to cover their face. Their identity would be hidden. They weren't called by their name. They were called an unclean leper. That was now their new name. And intimacy was taken from them. Uh, they were removed from their family. There was no intimacy, no friendships. They weren't allowed to be back with their friends. They couldn't go back to their husband or wife. They couldn't be with their children or their parents, their brothers or their sisters. They had to stop working. They were in these camps that were falling down, waiting to die. The life of a leper. It was a disease. It was a dreaded disease. And many times, even beyond that, the Jews believed that if you had leprosy, it was because you had done something wrong. There was sin in your life, and God was punishing you. So you put all that together. It was a horrible thing to have. We come to verse 12 of Luke chapter 17. We come to verse 12, and the text here tells of... These 10 lepers coming, and the Bible says they stood afar off. Well, how far is afar off? Well, during the season of COVID, it was told that we had to be two meters. And you know, when the closest you could get to somebody was two meters, that kind of seemed far off. But oh no, if you had leprosy, according to the law, you needed to be a hundred paces away from somebody who was well. A hundred steps. Now, 100 steps is a long way. I'm going to hazard a guess if I'm standing right here, 100 steps is probably pretty close. If I took 100 steps and I could go straight, it's probably close to our playground outside. That's about maybe 100 steps if I took 100. That's a long way. It's none of this uh, two-meter rule. It's, and, and when that distance that says they stood afar off, how far did they stand? 100, 100 paces. 100. And it says, they. now we know why they cried out, because, well, that's a long way. You really have to bell her to be heard. They cried out to Jesus. They're a hundred paces away. They couldn't come any closer. The reason I spent a fair bit of time talking about the lepers and leprosy this morning is because I see it's it's quite a picture of sin and what Satan does to every one of us. It's like leprosy. Unlike a leper, we too we isolated from intimacy. Like a leper, we too were outcasts from God. Like a leper, we too were in the process of losing everything because of sin. And like a leper, we were being destroyed. Our bodies were destroyed by the law of sin and death. Just like lepers. So, the leper's condition. We need to grab hold of the gravity of their condition. I want you to notice the cry. Did you note the cry? Verse 13. We're told that as Jesus was about to enter the city, these 10 lepers who were standing 100 paces away began to cry, Jesus, Master, have pity. Another translation: have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. It's all they could ask for. Have mercy. Have mercy because there was no doctor who could heal them. Have mercy because there's no medicine to fix them. Have mercy because they were absolutely and completely helpless because of the deadliness of their disease. There was nothing that could be done. Jesus, have mercy on us. And I guess maybe the truth is, you and I too were born helpless into this world. And we are helpless to stand before sin and Satan. We are condemned by sin and we are totally harassed and helpless. Remember mercy when they called out for mercy. Mercy's not getting what you deserve, mercy's getting what you don't deserve. So we don't deserve mercy. I don't deserve God's mercy. You don't deserve God's mercy. We don't deserve it. Mercy is God, undeservedly, would you demonstrate compassion on me? I believe these men realized that they were sinners and whatever they had received, they deserved. And yet, here they are crying out for mercy, crying out for relief from their torment, begging the Lord, have compassion on us. Help us in our time of need, 10 of them. Their only hope, their only hope was this moment, this one moment in time. I wonder how long they had prepared for this. I wonder how, what effort they made to get into the path where they could be 100 paces away from Jesus without so much noise that Jesus could hear them cry. The effort it took for them to get there, I'm going to hazard a guess, it was significant. This was not a mistake. This was set in motion. This was the one time in a lifetime the only hope they had. What a picture. What a picture. As they stood before the Lord crying out, Have mercy on us. One encounter with Jesus. But you know it only takes one encounter, doesn't it? It only takes one true encounter with Jesus. That can change everything in the rest of our life. Do you remember your first encounter with Jesus? How many here remember that first encounter where you experienced the salvation of Jesus? Okay? If you don't, go back to it. Remember it. Remember those days. Remember that time. Remember that moment of encounter because it takes that one encounter. I remember my encounter. I've had a few. Probably you have too. But I remember the first encounter of Jesus saving my soul. That one encounter. Everything was placed on it. I mean, aren't you glad that when your only hope is placed on Jesus, he is more than enough? Everybody say amen. Amen. Oh, we didn't do well on that one. I'm going to say that again. Aren't you glad that when your only hope is placed on Jesus, he will be more than enough? If you believe that, say amen. 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 Because he is more than enough. Their only hope was on him. Jesus, Lord, have mercy on us. And Jesus indeed had compassion on them. He healed them, told them to go and present themselves to the priests as the law demanded, The priest would inspect them and give them a clean bill of health. Now, that was according to Leviticus chapter 14. You had to go to the priest. They were like the physicians and they would look you over and see indeed if you were leprosy free and then you could go back to normal life. Why did Jesus tell them to immediately go back to the priest? You know, uh, I've discovered when it comes to God's intervention in my life it requires faith. Imagine if the lepers didn't go. Imagine if they just stood there and said, well that's stupid. I I, I expected him to do more than that. Because they're at that one moment encounter Jesus said, you know, "Go back to the priest and, and be examined." And they could have stood there and gone, "Well, no, we've gone to a lot of effort. We're, we we I don't I don't feel anything. I don't see anything." Something about the inter Action of God with us requires faith, and faith requires action. It requires, as they turned and went and began to go back, the Bible says, going back, they were healed. On the way, they were healed. Required a step of faith. That's why often in ministry and healing services, often they will say, now do something you couldn't do before. Why? Well, exercise faith. So many times we're just waiting for it. Well, exercise faith. Do something that you couldn't do. Believe in something you couldn't have believed in prior to that. And so faith required something of the helpless. I want to take you to the next point. I want you to notice one leper's celebration in the story. We're told that as they began to go back, they were cleansed. They were healed. What's significant is that out of the ten, one of them stands now out. Up to now, all ten are equal, it seems, but as they're moving back, and you see them disperse, and they, you see them begin to go back to the priests, one now stands out, and the nine continue. One st- stops. There's something that takes place. I want you to imagine this, because, because this is a key part of the story. One stands out. The Bible says, he saw that he was healed. He saw that he was healed. He turned around. He came back to Jesus probably still within that hundred pace step. He came back and he gave him thanks. Now, why did one react differently? I want to share what I believe the distinctions between distinguishes between him from the other nine. The perception of gratitude. The Bible says one of them saw that he was healed. And I, I stuck on that word for a while. If you have your Bibles, mark it. Mark the word saw. Underline it. Circle it. Draw an asterisk beside it. He saw that he was healed. Now, no doubt the others observed something. But the Bible doesn't say what they did. The Bible says he saw. The word saw is the Greek word "edo." It means to know, to see. Here it is, to perceive. He perceived something was happening. Now, the others would have acknowledged something happening. As they went, they were healed. But he stopped and he perceived more than just something of the moment. He perceived something deeper. He saw that he was healed. He took time to notice the change. He realized something wonderful. And out of this world was happening to him. In those minutes, he saw, he saw it. He was sensitive to the power of Christ working in his life and a perception that this was Jesus who just did that. He saw, he perceived, and his life was changed. There's an old Jewish story that illustrates the point I'm trying to make here. Let me tell you the old Jewish story. The old Jewish story goes like this. There was a man who went to his rabbi and began to complain. He grumbled to the rabbi. Oh, life is unbearable. There are nine of us living in one room. What am I to do? Gripe, 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 gripe. The rabbi answered, I have an answer for you, but you must do what I say. Go home, take your goat into the room with you. And keep it there. The man was incredulous, but the rabbi insisted, Do as I say. So the man did. The rabbi said, Come back in one week. So a week later, the man comes back. He is more distraught than he was a week before. He hasn't slept. He has bags under his eyes. He's disheveled. His clothes are worn. He is Torn apart in every way, he comes back and he says, I can't stand it. He says, that goat is filthy. It destroys everything. The goat's everywhere. I can't stand it. I've not had a good night's sleep since. The rabbi tells him, now go home and let the goat out and come back in one week. A week later, a radiant man returns Exclaiming, claiming, life is beautiful. Life is wonderful. We enjoy every minute of it now because there's no goat. There's only nine of us in the room. Now, the situation is no different than it was the first time. What happened? His perception has changed. You following? His perception... We gripe and complain as if this is the worst thing in life, what you're going through, what's happening. Just get a different perception. And when you have a different perception, you can give God the glory. You can have thanksgiving. Different perception. The man, different than the other nine, perceived something changed. The others hadn't. That's why they didn't return with a heart of thanksgiving. But the one did. I wonder, really, I wonder, do we really perceive the way God has blessed us? I got clothes on my back here this morning. I'm not hungry. I've got a family. I'm in church here with people I care for this morning. I've spent 20 to 25 minutes singing songs of love to my Lord. Do we really understand how much we are blessed? Because if you, and some of you have, you have seen those who have been, who are much less fortunate. Much, much less fortunate. And many times they are blessed. We sang the song, Daniel, let us in the song, Give Thanks. I've said this before. Some of you know where I'm going with this. 20, almost 23 years ago, when I first went to, Uh, the country of Cuba, I was in a service in a large church. The church that uh, the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God pastored, co-pastored in that large church. It was the first service I was at. I had just arrived the day before. And I had just in that brief time witnessed some very harsh conditions with people. I had heard a few stories in that 24 hours and my heart was really heavy. Even in the facility we were in, they were in the process of starting to build a new building. It was in the early stages, and so we were just out in the open air. And uh, we were sitting on, many were standing, and we were sitting on logs and planks. We were sitting on old streetcars or old buses seats that were just the old metal seats. And The band started up, and they began to play. And one of the first songs they did in Spanish, but I knew the, the tune... One of the first songs they sang was Give Thanks with a grateful heart. And I looked around, and I watched hundreds of people, hands lifted up, with hungry bellies, with their absolute best clothes on them, but their clothes were worn. And I watched these people give thanks. And I don't cry a whole lot. My wife will attest to that. But tears could not be stopped. As the first thought was, well, what do you have to give thanks for? Look at how it's difficult here. And yet with such joy, because they understood blessing. They understood blessing. And there was something about this picture of the story as the man perceived. He understood how blessed he was in that moment. He understood something about it. God was good. An unthankful Christian is a defeated Christian, for they have no joy of the Lord. So, I want you to note the the perception of his gratitude. The second thing I want to draw your attention to, note the priority. The priority of his thanksgiving. When he saw that he was healed, he turned around and went back to the Lord. Now, remember the Lord had just given a command. The Lord had commanded all ten of them, go to the priest. But he chose to disobey. Disobey he turned around and went back to Jesus interesting and yet Jesus doesn't rebuke him for coming back quite to the contrary the reason is is because this man realized the priority of giving thanks the priority of giving thanks he know he knows he's been changed and before he goes on he needs to turn around and give thanks where thanks is due hallelujah isn't that a good word He had a priority of thanksgiving. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things will be added to you. He knew to go back and to give thanks to Jesus was the the right move. It was the right move. Jesus gave a command, go ahead, go to the priest. And as they made their way off in the distance, you see him coming back and his eyes are fixed on Jesus because number one priority Give him the glory. Give him the praise. Give him the honor. You are to be thanked, O Lord. When we come, that's why we meet on Sunday mornings. Because we come, we want to do it on the first day of the week, Sunday. The first day of the week. And the first part of the day. And I like to come a little early. Because I want to be there first to give him glory and honor and praise. Because I come with a thankful heart. I come with a spirit of thanksgiving. And I draw attention to the priority of gratitude. It is fitting and proper to give thanks and praise to God for what he is doing in your life. Give him the first. Give him the first. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I want you to notice, I'm going to call it perfection. I'm keeping them all under P's. Perfection of gratitude. As this leper or headman, leper, draws near to the Lord, he begins to bring glory. He worships him. He glorifies the Lord. In the Greek, it means he made the Lord glorious. He manifested the worth of the Lord. That's what it means in the Greek. He glorified God. The Bible says he fell down in perfect submission and gave thanks. And Jesus asked the question, weren't there not nine? Nine. Now, remember, Jesus never asked a question to receive an answer. He asked a question to make a point. And when he asked the question, were there not not ten? Where are the nine? And then note what Jesus tells the man. Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. He gives one more word to the man. All ten had received a healing. But only one received what Jesus just gave this one. The other nine didn't get this. I want to draw your attention. This is something the others never got. Jesus says, you are made whole. One scholar says that he received an anointing. He received a whole blessing. He received a complete blessing that day. Others received physical healing. Guess what? They're all going to die again. There will come a day they will all die. Healing is very fragile, isn't it? You're healed for a moment, but we are going the way of the grave. So it's fragile. Yes, pray for healing, but you're going to the grave anyway. That's not really bad news. That's good news because on the other side of the grave for the believer is eternal life in the presence of the Lord. Never sickness and and heartache or trouble or difficulty. There's joy in the presence of the Lord. It's really not all bad news. Now, it doesn't mean you should go looking forward to it, but... Those nine are going to go the way of death. All ten will go the way of death. But the one came back and the one received something the other nine never got. He was blessed. He was blessed. I was thinking about this last night. I was, I was laying in bed, and uh, Lori would testify if she was here. And I was, there's an expression I've been using, and I don't know why I've been using it. I even said to Lori, I said, You know the expression I've been using? Flash in the pan. And I said, where did that expression come from? I'm laying in bed. This is the crazy thing going through my head last night. So I'm going, where do we get the expression flash in the pan? And Lori just wanted to go to sleep. And she says, I don't know. So we have a mini Google near us. And so I asked mini Google, where does that expression, what does it mean, flash in the pan? I wanted to make sure I was using it right. And so if you're interested, you can Google it and find it. Don't do it now. But um, yeah, It means a moment. It means a moment, and the idea is it's a burst of flame, but it's for a moment. And and I don't want a flash-in-the-pan faith. I don't want a momentary time with God. I want Him to transform my life. I want what God is doing today to be the beginning of greater things He's going to do tomorrow. And when He does it tomorrow, I want greater things tomorrow. What He's going to do? Days ahead. I don't want a flash in the pan. I don't want just a a moment where there's a breath of God sweeps through here. I enjoy that. But if that's all there is, it's a flash in the pan. No, no, no. I want him to transform my life. I want him to reform me inside and out. I want me to look different, talk different, act different, be different from the inside out. So that others will know, my kids will know, my wife will know, people will know. That I'm not the same person. Not just in the good times but in the good and the bad and everything in between not just when I'm young and vivacious but when I'm old and decrepit I want to be growing in a transformational lifestyle with Jesus this is something about the story here when this man received this blessing remember all of them are going to die one day Jesus just prolonged their life and gave them life back and nothing to be you know you don't sneeze at that But having said that, this man got back, and Jesus says, you are made whole. You are made whole. Transformation, transformation. Oh, God, transform us. Oh, God, transform us. So I want you to draw. Do you see what the Lord is doing? Can you perceive the Lord in our midst? Do you recognize the workings of God as this leper did? Can you perceive it? And having done that, is there a priority of thanksgiving? Jesus, to you I run to. I make you a priority not only of my thanksgiving, I make you a priority of my finances too. I give you the first of my first fruit, not what's left over. I don't know if I can pay my bills. I hope I can pay God later. No, no, I give you the first, knowing that everything after that gets blessed. But if I don't give you the first, nothing before gets blessed. You ever follow that one? So that's why he gets the first, because what follows is blessed. I give you the first because I know you're going to pour it out on the rest. You're going, to, you're going to provide for me. You're going to provide for me. And so you're first. And I give you first in worship. I give you first in the morning. I give you first in my day. I give you first in the week. And on and on and on. I give you first. Priority. And then may it be that he perfects us. God, make me whole. Transform my life. Reform me into more like you, Jesus. And less like the sinful person that you've had to transform. This morning, as we come to the close here, I pray, oh God, let there be a transformation in our own hearts and lives. Would you just receive that this Thanksgiving? If you can see yourself in this story, embrace him who not only heals the flesh, but heals the soul for eternity. He wants to heal your soul.